everybody, and welcome back or welcome to the Jappy Jaws podcast. I am your hostess with the most is now the most musicalist of them all, the jappiest of some of them all. I think I forgot that part. Anywho, it's Lindsay Moraskin with yet another episode of the Jappy Jaws podcast. I am really feeling thrown off tonight because the dungeon, aka my basement, aka where I record from, my beautiful state-of-the-art studio, not, is feeling extra dungeony and creepy tonight, and I'm going to tell you why. So I was coming down here, walking down like I always do to record my nice little intro. I see on the lovely chair that I have down here, because remember, however long ago, almost a year, I was on some uncomfortable, I'm actually staring at it right now, on an uncomfortable piece of shit, honestly, and I have this beautiful 20 year old armchair thing that I now record from which is great but I go over to it and I see this little black puffball so I start freaking out I'm like oh my god there's an animal a raccoon got in here blah 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 I I took a step further it was a fucking black tutu why the hell was there a black tutu on my chair I am literally like the only person that comes down here and if anything the only other people that do come down here are here for literally five minutes because everybody thinks it's so creepy so either someone's playing a very sick game on me or there's a ghost in my house there's no other way to put it there's a ghost in my house but another reason why it's creepy is because the way I'm facing right now I'm not necessarily sitting in the chair I'm sitting on the arm of the chair I just felt like doing that today and I'm looking out the escape window which I think is there for either a a fire hazard or if someone were kidnapped but nobody has been kidnapped here I can promise you that and I'm looking into my neighbor's kitchen I'm not trying to be creepy it's just the way I'm staring but like I never really knew I could look into their house that way so it's kind of freaking me out because I'm like okay what else have the neighbors seen honestly though I will say and I have a funny story about this I am the naked neighbor and all of you know what I'm talking about the naked neighbor is always the one that doesn't shut the blind or just does it without even thinking about it. And this weekend, when Victoria Bruno came to visit, a kid that I graduated high school with, I saw him at the bar. He's my backdoor neighbor. My bedroom window faces his kitchen. His whole family gets a fucking show. And I went up to him and I was like, do you even know who I am? And he's like, obviously. And then I was like, oh shit, he's seen me butt ass naked. That's not what I wanted. And I walked away. So that's how that went this past weekend. Anywho, welcome back to the Jappy Jaws podcast. Like I said, I hope you're all doing well, having a great week. Looking forward to the weekend make sure you head on over to instagram and follow us aka myself on there to keep yourself up to date with everything and anything jappy jaws related it is at j-a-p-p-y j-a-w-s as well as my personal instagram at Lindsay anya l-i-n-d-s-a-y-y-a-n-y-a-a once you're done doing that head on over to wherever you are listening to me from whether that be apple spotify anchor google wherever it may be and make sure that you're subscribed reviewing rating like following and turning that notification bell on so every time I upload a brand new episode you are one of the very first to get notified and listen to it and last but not certainly least on our to-do list our homework the drinking game alert so for those of you that are not aware or that need a quick little reminder I like to play this fun little drinking game every episode basically whenever I mention a word a topic a phrase I'm not forcing but I am strongly encouraging you to take a sip of whatever you have on you if you're over the age of 21 I will always and forever recommend a nice shot of chilled Casamigos tequila, whatever you have in the liquor cabinet. If you're under the age of 21, Capri Sun for you. Or if you're on the road or at the gym or just working, water, coffee, Red Bull, whatever you're feeling, take a nice little swig of that every time I mention a certain word, phrase, topic, etc. So today's word is going to be men because I think it's pretty fitting for today's guest. But before we get into that, I have a few things I need to talk to you all about. So as most of you know, and especially if you follow the Jappy Jaws Instagram, I have a very, very, very bad addiction to coffee, especially a cold brew from Starbucks. And I think this journey, this addiction started when I was in high school when everyone started driving and before school we'd be like, oh, should we go to Dunkin'? Should we go... Should we go to Starbucks, Starbies? From that point forward, the moment that coffee landed on my tongue, it was game over for me and my parents because they're not very happy with the amount of money I spend on coffee or alcohol. And even though I'm paying for it myself, they still are like, Lindsay, you could be spending that money or saving it otherwise. But you know what? It all goes down the same way. We're all going to die eventually. My parents get really mad when I say that, though. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is I usually get a coffee every single morning. There have been two big curveballs that have been thrown my way in the last like two and a half weeks, three weeks. The first one being, so I have three 
Starbucks's in like a less than seven mile radius of my home. One is three minutes away from my house. The other is like 15 and the other is like seven to 10. So the one obviously that's two to three minutes from my house, I go to normally. However, from like the end of July up until probably I think next week, they're under construction. So they're not open whatsoever. So that puts a damper on my day. So I have to figure out and time myself before I start work. Okay, which one is it better for me to go to? The 15 minute away one or the 10 minute away one? So it's quite the toss up of whichever one I'm going to go to that day. Now, my second dilemma, I am very particular about my order. All I get is a venti ice cold brew with four pumps of sugar-free vanilla and one pump of caramel. Simple, it, there's literally nothing else to it. Then they haven't had sugar-free syrups in a very, very long time, okay? And I went into the Starbucks the other day because the drive through line was just way too long. And I was like, what's the deal? Obviously, I said it nicer than that. And the lady freaking tells me that they're all on back order here. Okay, that's issue number one. And number two, they are probably going to be discontinuing a lot of the sugar-free flavors. What do you mean discontinuing? There is no reason to do that. I like the taste that it's not as sweet, that it's tarty. I don't know. I hope this is a rumor. Unless it's not, then I'm going to be contacting HR or headquarters or whatever it may be. And I know that this is such first world problems, but I took a poll on the Instagram and some of you aren't experiencing this. So either it's a headquarters issue on Long Island, New York, or there's some sort of miscommunication. I also do realize that I need to start saving my money. I need to, you know, cool it with getting Starbucks or any type of other coffee every single day. The thing is, I'm the only person in my house that drinks coffee. My sister does, but by the time that I'm awake, she's already out and working at the day camp she works at, so she's not home. My parents are like, oh, maybe we'll get a Keurig, but it wouldn't really like serve more than a purpose of just for my sister and I, and by the time September comes, my sister's gonna be a senior in high school, and then next year, she's not even gonna be here. And then by that time, hopefully too, I'll be moved out. So there's really no point in getting a Keurig. I wanna try and get those like, cold brew shits that they have at the store. Not the shits, obviously, but like the Starbucks ones that come in like the big Tupperware and then buy my own sugar-free vanilla and caramel up the wazoo, whatever it may be. I'm having a hard time trying to find those. So if someone wants to lead me in the right direction, I would greatly appreciate it. I just really needed to express my first world problem with you all because I know a majority of you love your coffee as much as me, your morning Joe. That has become my new trademark. I want to turn that into something one day. And I just feel as if like, if I can master my own craft of what I love, like how I have with this podcast, I really could be unstoppable. I'm just saying. Speaking of morning Joe, I feel as if I needed to drink a morning Joe on steroids with three shots of Bailey's or tequila in it while watching this past week of The Bachelorette, okay? Now, remember when I said a few weeks ago that I've been loving Katie, loving this season, I really think it's really done something. I partially take all of that back. I think no matter who's The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, Hometowns is a very telling time of not only the contestants, but of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. You really get to see a different dynamic because yes, you know that you're being recorded. You know that you're on television when it's just the however many contestants and the suitor. But when there's family involved and there's a lot more pressure and there's only certain things that you get to see from those interactions, I think it shows a lot more. And that's where I think the editors actually do do a great job. I'm not gonna turn this into like a huge rant, but I have some things that I do wanna say clearly. First of all, who is picking out the composers for this music? Because they're making it very scary. When Greg was watching Katie and Blake on that glimpse or whatever, him walking towards Katie when they had their big brawl, they put on like the scary music that you hear in like a Marvel movie before like the big war goes on or where the superhero finally like revives himself or some shit like that. And I'm like, okay, yes, this is very dramatic and like this is a big moment that's happening, but this music not only scares me, it terrifies me. I'm like, are they gonna do something a lot more than they should be doing right now? Is this really what's gonna be on my television screen? So Mike Fleiss, I need you to cool it with that. Second of all, my favorite parents, I well, I shouldn't say favorite parents, but I really, really do think that Emily Moines, Moines, I don't know how to say it, I'm really sorry, Blake's mom was one of the coolest parents I think that I've ever seen on any hometown when she literally told her son to man the fuck up. But I also think it's very telling 
a Blake that he says he's feeling these emotions and he's feeling a certain way that he still wasn't able to communicate that. And I feel like from the Claire and Tasha season, he was like, oh, hungry, hungry hippos. I'm ready to go. I want to be in love. I want to be engaged. But I think if you haven't said I love you or I'm falling in love with you yet on the contestant end, this far into the process, you're giving me a red flag and it's not looking too pink. It's looking straight up red. Second thing, I still don't understand the connection between Katie and Justin. I don't see it. I think that they very much resemble friends, not as much as how her and Andrew did, but it's like that one guy and girlfriend that are just a little too flirty. And you're like, oh, is something going on with them? Are they going home together tonight? In more ways than one, it's like one of those relationships. And I thought like the blue cheese and the ranch question. And then he was like, oh, what's your ring size? Like, yes, it's a bonding moment, but I wouldn't marry someone based off their preference of condiment. I just think that's stupid. I also thought, and I really did feel bad for him that his parents were like, we're not coming. We're not gonna do this. This just doesn't seem right. And I'm feeling, I do feel bad, but I also feel torn because I think if you know your son is applying to do this process and he's obviously explained to you, or I'd hope that he would explain to you what's going on, how it could happen, that he potentially could be engaged at the end of this. I know my parents, even though they might not be 110% there and supporting it, they would be like, okay, we're going. That is your chance as parents to grill the fuck out of that person. You saw how Greg's mom and Blake's mom were like, what are your intentions? How do you feel? Where do you see this going with my son? And I feel as if they really dropped the ball on the opportunity, not only to give the franchise and the process a chance, because let's be real, we all know that she's not ending up with him. But I think it's hard for someone like Justin to be put in that position like, okay, I told you I was doing this and now you're really not going to support me. But then again, if you knew how your parents felt going into this and not saying you always need to listen to mommy and daddy, but honestly makes me question his intentions for going on to the show. And I will leave it at that. And last but certainly not least, everything that went down with Greg. Now, I have a lot of sympathy and empathy for the both of them. And I think that is because I understand to a certain extent Greg's level of pain, having that hole in his heart about his dad and losing him. Because you genuinely can tell through how he acts in certain situations, and especially when he was with his family, it was like two different people. By the way, I do find it very sexy that a man like that could be so in touch with his feelings. Truly, like it really turns me on, I'm not gonna lie. But I also think it comes to a point where you also have to control your emotions. And I think that he's emotionally not there, that he just started blaming how he was feeling so overwhelmingly onto her. Do I think she should have had a better response to him saying, I love you, you're the one that you're gonna be the woman that I'm gonna marry, this whole thing. I think she could have responded better because she kind of just looked like a dead fish looking at him. And I don't think that was fair to him, especially when she's going back and saying, he's getting a rose, he's getting a rose. And he's right, it's not about a fucking rose, it's about a connection. And when all of a sudden you're like questioning it and you're bringing that up to him, that's where it gets a little wishy-washy. And I think they both were manipulative in very similar ways. Victoria Bruno and I were talking about this. And I think they just both were dumb and I'm curious to see what ends up happening, not just during the last episode, the season finale, but I'm even more curious to see what goes down at after the final rose. So only time will tell. And honestly, if her and Greg don't end up together, I'm single, okay? And I know how to talk and I will be very receptive. But until next week, I am looking forward to it. And now before we actually jump into today's episode where it actually has great substance, um, there's one other thing that I wanted to bring up. Well, one and a half. So obviously last year during like peak quarantine time, peak COVID time, which it honestly kind of feels like we're getting back to that place, which is really upsetting. Everyone, please just be safe. Wear your masks. If we want to come out of this stronger and better than ever, it's better to lean on each other than go against each other. And I will leave it at that. But during the peak quarantine time, everybody was going through every single Netflix show possible. And one of those shows, I'm sure you all know, was Outer Banks. It was quite literally a cinematic masterpiece. And I like those shit shows where it's like very dramatic and lovey-dovey and all that type of stuff because... I don't know. I've just always been drawn to them. I'm not a scary person. And season two just dropped this past week. I haven't finished it yet. I'm hoping to by the weekend be done with it and I will deliver my thoughts. I've been hearing certain things. I'm trying not to look at spoilers, but I am curious to know if you guys are like pro John B, pro Sarah Cameron, pro OBX to begin with and your thoughts on this season. So far, I've heard nothing but good things, but at the same time, 
I think the show is extremely, extremely dramatic and it's not realistic at all, but hey, that's television for you. I would love to know all of your thoughts and your feelings towards it. My DMs are open for all that fun and jazz. But enough about Outer Banks, enough about Bachelorette and coffee. Let's get into today's episode. I was so, so, so excited to interview Justin because not only was he so beyond helpful to me when I was in such a rut and feeling so lost with the pandemic and with jobs and what to do next in my adulthood. He was so inspirational and motivating and I really think it's people like him in the industry, not only in the podcasting world, but in any type of career field that you're going into that you need. That is one of the things I think college does not prepare you for, that high school doesn't prepare you for, is the real life circumstances and hurdles that you're going to have to jump over when the time comes. And I think his podcast also is extremely, extremely eye-opening, not only for men, because not only is it called Men of the Hour, but it also shows a lot of people in general how it's okay to be vulnerable, that we need to get to know each other from the inside out and have those uncomfortable conversations. I think that he's not only going to open your eyes to the world of opportunities that you could have on your own, but how to do it in other people's lives as well. So I will let him take it away. So without further ado, please welcome Justin Crawford. My next guest does not really need an introduction, but I figured I'd give a brief story on how I met this lovely human being. Let's flash back to April 2020, March 2020, when I was a college senior, freaking out about life, COVID was taking over, and I was just scared shitless come May for when I graduated. So like any other college senior, I was going on LinkedIn up the wazoo trying to find people to connect with and talk to about jobs, what I should be doing. And I stumbled upon his page and we had a nice FaceTime call and it formed a beautiful friendship that I am so thankful for. He is the man of many talents and the man of the hour, the host of the man of the hour podcast, Justin Crawford. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm good after you said something like that, Miss Lindsay. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> thanks Thanks for inviting me on. I told you this was an honor. I love, love, love uh, what you're doing. And I think that the conversation we did have was very much what I think a college senior could have used. And I'm just glad yes. you called. And uh, here we are. Yes, it's funny how things come full circle so quickly. So I'm very appreciative of that. Thank you. And I'm glad that we get to do this. I'm honored to be the woman of the hour with the man of the hour. Aww, <laughs> I love that so much. Obviously, I know who you are, but my audience doesn't really know you that well. So why don't you give everyone the breakdown of where you're from, what you do, where you went to school and what you studied? Oh my gosh. Let's go back <laughs> in time for a second. So I was born and raised in Japan. My dad was in the Air Force as I was growing up. So I had lived between Japan and the United States pretty much my entire life until I until about midway through high school. And then I moved to Tennessee, went to the University of Tennessee shortly after graduating from high school, obviously, like anybody would do, <laughs> and studied journalism, graduated from college in 2018. Summer 2018, moved to New York City and started working at NBC Universal in in like the Midtown area. People say like 30 Rock, 1221, whatever you want to call it. It's been a roller coaster since then, but like the best time of my life. I've been here now three years and it's like, I tell people all, they're like, how are you? And I'm like, happy, happy as hell grateful and super successful. How are you? You know what I mean? But it's like that that perspective has been a thing for like three years and I'm obsessed with this place. And if anybody's tuning in right now, I think like, what am I, 25 with, you know, with like such an optimistic outlook on things. And Lindsay and I talked about this before. You can have it all is what I'm trying to say. No, I absolutely love that you said that your response is I'm happy because I feel like a lot of people just jump to me like, oh, I'm good. They don't actually get to thinking like, how am I actually feeling? And right. I think when you have that positive mindset, it just not only changes your outlook on life, but you approach things so much differently. Yeah. And like, I had this conversation yesterday with someone and they were like, oftentimes I'll ask someone, how are you? And they were almost waiting for someone to, to genuinely check in on them and ask them how they're doing. Because when people say it, it's so nonchalant nowadays. It's like, how are you? Good. You No, it's like, I'm how actually are you? I'm usually very happy. But if I'm having a shit day, I mean, everybody has shit days. I usually don't bring it up within that conversation, but a right. lot of people might, you know, you may ask someone how you're doing. And then Lindsay will be like, I'm not doing that great. And mm -hmm. then maybe that sparks a different conversation for the two of you to have. Don't get me wrong. You wouldn't say it to a stranger, but it is good to be checking in with people in a genuine way. Absolutely. And I think that really shows in your work too, because not only when you're talking to people on the street, but when you're interviewing people, which obviously you do on a day-to-day -day basis, you are constantly talking and 
trying to uplift people and you don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but at the same time, it's also great that you can be honest and be as relatable oh, yeah. as possible. And it feels good too. I think some point in your life, you realize you have the mature mindset enough to tell people how you actually are doing. And I think to your point about interviewing people every day, I mean, it's not a facade. It's mm -hmm. not this, you know, I, I was not even exclusively dating, but I'd started dating just a little bit in the city. And I would often be asked if, if they were getting the real Justin. And I was like, you're getting the real Justin. Are you kidding me? And they're like, well, I listen to the podcast and like that Justin is, you know, is that who you are? Yeah. You know, like that's the point of podcasting. It's like in-depth right. conversations that I think matter to people who listen and I, and people are listening now. It's like, you want to have real conversation and right? because it's long form, it's in people's ears. It's very intimate. Why would you be fake or um, have a facade about it? That's what we've learned through the men of the hour. Everybody I've talked to, it's like, oh, that was refreshing. That was therapeutic. And that's what we want. We being like me and my team, but essentially like as the interviewer, I've always wanted to do that with people, be it a celebrity, high profile on entrepreneur, I don't really care who you are. We can have real conversation depending on, you know, whatever we're discussing. It doesn't really matter who you are at the end of the day. As long as you're giving the most pure and authentic version of yourself, I think that goes such a long way. And I think what you do so perfectly, I should say on the podcast is that when you're talking to these men, you really are like digging deeper and trying to find those reasons of why people are like, oh shit, they are real people. They're not just mm -hmm. this actor or this musician of some kind. You're really getting deep, not only with yourself, but with them. Let me backtrack really quick. I think a lot of people look at the men of the hour and they're like, oh my God, that's like a misogynistic podcast. I've only been asked if we're a locker room guy only podcast once from, that's from like, was, and that was at the very beginning of it. And I think people realize like when you're in the self-help, self-improvement podcast genre, your intentions are always well, right? And there's, there was a podcast called woman of the hour and I didn't want to launch a sister show. I was like, this is niche. I like it. I like that. It's just guys. I like that. It's a diverse range of men from all over the world, gay, straight, uh, black, white, mixed. I mean, you name it. And that's, that's the beauty of it. It's like, we've been booking talent that are A-list celebrities. And then we've booked some guys that are, you know, super fancy entrepreneurs. And something that always matters to me in the conversation is that to your point, we have to ask questions that nobody else is asking or talk about right. things that no one else is talking about, because that's what people want to hear. Otherwise I'd be interviewing them for a two minute segment for the today show or some shit, right? Like exactly. I'd be like, Hey, like what's your latest book? And can you tell us where to find it. That's fine. Right. Like, but I can also like tag that on Instagram. I don't have to talk about that on a podcast. And these guys agree to it interestingly enough. And if anybody's tuning in that wants to launch a podcast, like when you're booking people, if you're genuine enough about why you want them to be on and what you're wanting to discuss, similar to what uh, Lindsay and I are doing right now, that's what it is, right? Your approach is everything as to why people say yes and what they end up telling you on the podcast. So I want to quickly backtrack. Your background with the entertainment and the media industry is just so diverse. How did you even get started with wanting to do anything in the entertainment realm before podcasting really took off? Mm, yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. Podcasting wasn't even a thing in my mind. I always thought it was kind of boring until the pandemic hit. So to me, it was like pandemic means podcasting just because there was nothing else going on. I was so tired of doing Zoom, IGTV interviews. I did them. We were like 70 plus episodes into this Instagram TV series we were doing at a company I was working at. And I'm forever grateful. It was Bold TV and I still to this day, I'm obsessed with them. But we, I don't know what it was really. I mean, I guess to back it up, it was probably when I decided to study journalism. You know, I was, I was a freshman in college. I had launched a talk show at my university University. And I don't know what it was. I was like, I like celebs, but I really loved musicians. So I was like, let's do all of it. So let's figure out how I can like report and produce and do all these things. And then long behold, I went to LA and I kind of found out what the entertainment news scene was like. I wasn't a huge fan of it. I was like, oh, maybe I can work for E! News one day. It's very different today than it did four years ago. Then I was like, okay, well, maybe I like lifestyle. So then I took a job part-time at a Fox station with Knoxville weekend in Tennessee. And I was like showing people what they can eat, see, and do in Knoxville, right? To, I mean, to say the least, it was like lifestyle reporting was almost a thing. And from there, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I wanted to move to New York. I wanted to work for NBC because it has a huge portfolio of shows and all these brands. And I was like, well, if I can just work for all of them, shit, I'm going to go work in sales and alongside partnerships with our team and figure out everything about this company before I'm 25. And I did. By 24, I kind of had everything I needed to know about the shows, at least from like a broad lens, enough to realize what I actually wanted to do. And people are so confused getting into this business, right? Some people say media, some people say entertainment. I say media and entertainment, right? I mean, right. sometimes the blend is the beauty of the entertainment industry is actually like performing arts, right? Acting, mm -hmm. music, and all that. Media is everything under the sun with print, online, magazine, uh, 
and TV and YouTube, like that's all media. So when I thought about that, I was like, well, I just want to do all of it. So that's why, you know, we launched this podcast because I was bored and I was, <laughs> I had all these resources of celebrity friends. And I was like, well, if I can do anything with my friends, it's to inspire people. And on top of that, I just remember, I was like, well, selfishly, I still have a career to grow and I'm not going to sit around during the fucking pandemic thinking I'm not going to groom myself as a interviewer or a host of something, especially if it's something that's mine. You know, people are often like, how do you do the podcast and work at NBC? You just do it. You make mm -hmm. time for it and you can, you know, my boss and I are like best friends. So she was my biggest number one supporter and we're always talking and she's like, I don't know how you fucking do it. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Either. Like I literally work every day, but I'm happy to do that because I'm young. I don't have priorities. And if you're young and you don't have priorities, I don't know why the hell you're sitting down on your butt doing nothing. Right. So that's kind of always been ingrained in me. But in short, I've always loved people who do things that will ultimately make someone laugh, smile or cry. And those those are the people that we now book on the podcast. And I think it's super empowering to know that you literally did not waste any time because so many people are like, okay, I'm going to take this time and really figure out what I want to do. But then they kind of just like sit on their ass and they're like, oh, we'll figure it out tomorrow. It's always a tomorrow Yeah, there's thing. no figuring out. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it, the time is now and it sounds very cliche, but what are you waiting on? Like you should totally send emails out today and figure out who the next, uh, you know, if, if you want to connect with someone and do business with them, or you should totally make a phone call to, you know, whomever that you have this idea that you want to share with about. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons why I feel like people don't activate on their ideas and some of it's fear. Some of it's driven by ego and they just feel like they're too good to like do the mundane small things. You know, I think it's always worth it. And I think the more that you do, the better you figure out very quickly, especially if you're in your twenties, what you like and what you don't like, what's working, exactly. what's not working. And then you start prioritizing and then you'll have the mindset of someone who's 40, you know, who's a CEO or an entrepreneur or like a business leader in a, in a big company, you'll have their mindset faster than you think because you're figuring things out on the early front. I've heard from so many people who were in their 50s and 60s. Oh, I wish I had figured it out like you did when I was 20. And that's how I know I'm doing it right for me, right? This is a very like personal journey of like discovering what I want out of life, out of New York, out of my social circles, out of these jobs that I do, out of friendships that I create from those jobs. And that's why it's all like this one world of Justin. But, you know, I always invite people in and make sure that, you know, it's it's a balanced world, right? Where I can share it with other people or invite people to things. I think I just, I was on a mentor call earlier because I did a fellowship. There's a mentee that was placed with me and I, I want to invite him to come hang out with my friends uh, next Thursday and get to know some CEOs and entrepreneurs that, I, that I'll be seeing. And like, to me, that's part of it. I think a big thing that people don't understand is that it doesn't matter how old you are. Sometimes age is really nothing but a number. Yeah. If you take the time and you have this passion, it does not matter if you're 12 years old, 22 years old, 32, et cetera. You can do anything that you put your mind to. And the biggest person that is going to tell you no is yourself. Like you are capable of doing and achieving anything. If you put your mind to it, like you did, you had everything, not everything, but you had a good idea of what you wanted to figure out and do by the time yeah. you were 24 because you didn't settle you knew what you were worth it and I think what a lot of people especially post-grad they feel like they need to settle because you have to start at the bottom of the totem pole when actuality okay you could start there but you can build yourself on from there yeah and part of it's just asking yourself a lot of hard questions earlier than later it is so simple. People are often running away from their problems or running away from their insecurities and stuff, but you have to own it. Like I'm balding. That is not fun. I'm 25 years old. I'm balding and it sucks. Who the fuck cares? I'm also like really good with my head shape. Like, you know, eventually this thing, if you see this, you so what? <laughs> like, oh, thanks. People have told me that they're like, well, there was a saying about like, there's only, oh, I forget what it was. Like God created lots of people with a head full of hair and only some of them were really empowering notes for both people. I'll look it up later. Anyway, so that's one thing. I was insecure for a little bit. I was like trying to play it up in college and grow it out as much as I could and hide the baldingness part. And I was like, oh, screw this shit. This is so much work. I'm over it. You have to own it. It's part of you. It's like owning the fact that you have a freckle on your face or like owning the fact that your left titty is bigger than your right titty. Who the hell cares? <laughs> if you have a good personality, you have a lot of ambition, you're kind to people, you have great ideas. You're just a good around human. No matter what you do, I always tell people I hate when they ask me what I do because I just do I'm trying to do 17 things right now. So like, I'm just chilling and living my life. But one thing I'll always guarantee is I'll make you smile, make you laugh. 
and I'll damn well be here for you if you need something. So that's kind of like where people are lacking. It's like, you have to look inward, own your insecurities, own the fact that there's a lot of things that all of us are working on and working through. Who cares? It's life. We're going to die in our 90s by 100 anyway. Fucking do whatever you want to do. You know, and that's why like launching the podcast, I was like, let's do it. It's not hard. Podcasting is the easiest media platform to launch. You fucking talk in a microphone, you edit the audio and you put it on a platform distributed across like eight to 10 channels. And then you take that link and you share it on your social and stuff. Don't, Don't get me right. It's like, more complex if you want a YouTube channel yeah. and all that stuff. But podcasting is easier than like launching a whole production or making a short film or, you know, producing a TV program for NBC every, you know, five days a week or some shit. So anyway, all that said, like, if you have an idea, you should activate on it because odds are you're probably passionate about that idea. You know? If you do the research and you do your homework, I think people are just trying to do something so quickly because they always, everybody wants a quick fix always, oh, but I know. that is not the case sometimes. Like you said, putting together a podcast, it takes work, but it's very, very, very obtainable. It's not hard at all. You also at have all. to be dedicated to it because if you're not dedicated and if you're not consistent what are you doing there's no that's anything in life though that's how I see it as if you're not constantly trying to better yourself and level up in the ways that not only that you know you can but also you're challenging yourself you don't really realize how much you can do until you're actually doing it honestly like that motivates me knowing of where I was a year ago freaking out that I didn't have a job, freaking out that this pandemic was a thing. And then I'm here now. If I saw where I am now a year ago, I'd be so proud of myself. And I think it's constantly Mm. trying to better yourself and be like, okay, you got through that hard time. You already made it past that point. You don't need to worry about that anymore. You just got to keep looking forward. And that motivates me, which I I love that. But obviously so many different things motivate you and I think keep you on your toes. But what influences you or who influences you the most, do you think? I'll give you a what and a who. Okay. The what is progress. Remember progress reports in elementary school? Yes. <laughs> right? You'd always be told like how you're doing. Are you in the red, yellow, or green? Are you in like the, you know, the top percentile, the middle percent, whatever that shit was. And I just always remember looking at that with my parents. And no matter what the number was, they were very fucking proud because it wasn't just my grades. It wasn't just, you know, projects that we were doing. That stuff was so fluffy to me. You know, Nick Vial said it very well on the men of the hour that the rest is just gravy. Like what is the meat of it? And to get back to your question, like the biggest what for me that influences like my day to day, even when I go to Panera, where was I at? La Pain Quotidian or whatever it's called. When I was getting a sandwich there, what drives me is people. Like that's the what. It is the unknown of, no, not even the unknown. I guess it's the the opportunity for possibility. When I meet someone, when I look at someone in the face and like make them smile. If I'm at the gym and I meet a stranger at the rooftop yesterday, like while we're drinking Aperol spritzes and just get to know that his name is Jim, but then find out that he's also a journalist. Like those moments in life to me drive me daily. And because it's seen in my work, I call that a blessing that I was able to find something in media that made sense, which was like hosting, producing, if you want to call it that. And what I do for a living, literally what wire, the checks that come into my bank account literally are things that I'm obsessed with. That's a blessing. Part of that too is like the who, I guess now, my parents, like a couple of who's, my family, my friends, anybody that's been telling me to keep going and all that stuff. I mean, we've all heard it from anybody who accepts an award. Like, I'd love to thank my friends and my family and my coach and my director of journalism. These people are like literally because I was a good person to all of them. I think that they genuinely want to see me succeed. But even if I was launched a fintech company tomorrow, they'd be very proud of that. It just so happens that like in media, it's a little bit more glitz and glam. So people can see it more, right? Having an Instagram page where like my professors and former educators and, you know, mentees, whoever they can follow and see the content or see how happy I am in New York. That's the beauty of the time we live in. So yeah, I mean, just like people, they, they ground me strangers, best friends, family. It's always going to be people at the end of the day because I I think people are so good. I've met some of the worst assholes and been able to say that they were still good people and you know somehow turn them around. And I think everybody's good. What I love about your outlook and your personality in general is you really don't let anyone see the bad. And I think a lot of people oftentimes like to take advantage of the fact that they're so miserable sometimes, or they're just so unhappy. Yeah. Uh And it just shines in their personality. And like, yes, everybody's allowed to have their bad days. We wouldn't be human. And we would be like one type of race, one type of thing. If we all acted and did the same thing, what makes you so positive and makes you want to keep that mentality alive? Because I'm the only one who does that. 
I've met a couple of other optimists, one of which is my buddy Cheeto, who, who acts. He's, he's on an upcoming episode. I mean, I only meet so many optimistic people. And I think that I know that I have a social responsibility when I meet strangers and when I talk to friends to be the person who is always happy. And I want to do that. People are often saying, and back to the dating note I said earlier, like, are you really this happy all the time? Are you really this optimistic and driven? And do you really wake up every day at 5 a.m. and you know, just keep going? Are you answering emails at 10 p.m. like in the bathtub? Like, how do you do all this? And it's, I guess like the simple answer is because I know I'm one of the only people who are like this. And there is a specific breed of person, I believe. And you can, anybody has a chance to be like this, right? It's not like a cult or it's not like a religion, right? I won't even name drop some cults and religions. And we all know what I'm thinking about. So there's specific people that like want to be an example and want to be a leader. I would even argue that everybody I know that wakes up at 5 a.m. is a leader of some kind within their jobs. Everybody that I know that has some type of like social responsibility tied to their you know, career pursuit probably leads a team. And that, and that to me is a beautiful thing. But again, you have to make the choice to do it. You know, they always asked us in, in college, do you want to be a leader or a follower? I was leading every team I was on, right? But from the back, there was this like leading from behind theory that I used to follow in college and to date. Like I want my intern to feel like she's my boss or I want her to own everything she's doing on our team. Or I want my booking producer or anybody who's on the podcast team to feel like they have the same amount of leadership that I have because what they're doing for the show, what they're doing for the podcast um, and what they do in general is literally so fucking valuable. And those are skills I don't have. I cannot edit like my guy, Paul, right? He can do it so well. Could I take hours and do it? Sure. But I'll use Paul as an example. Like one of the most talented video editors and graphic designers that I know, he's so good at his job. So I let him do that, which means he also has the same amount of leadership than I do for this podcast. He says what doesn't work. He gives a lot of opinions on what we could do better. And to me, that's very valuable. But that's also why like being a leader is so fun because I literally work with all my friends. My boss at NBC has become my best friend, right? And everybody else would think that like, I'm like, reporting to her. I would never say that. I work with her. She's been at the company. I won't even name drop her because I don't want to put out how old she is. She's been at the company a, a while, you know? And to me, I was like, I entered that company with mad respect for everybody that had been there longer than five years. Long behold, some of them have been there two decades. Yeah. And I still work with them as if we've been on the same team my whole life. And that's like the, the secret sauce to like making sure you don't enter the workplace of any job feeling like you owe people something or feeling like you have to like do something in a certain way or having any type of anxiety within the job. It's like you have to make a strong relationship. It makes you more comfortable, but also I think it makes you more confident because when oh, you see both, both, yeah, not only are you seeing all these inspirational people and they're helping you and motivating you and you're gaining that for yourself as well. And 100%. I feel like a lot of people always like to look at bosses or other coworkers as competition when in actuality they really aren't competition no like, it's teamwork even other podcasters exactly. right like other people who who do this podcasting thing i think i put podcaster on my instagram bio just because i host a podcast yeah but like there is no competition yeah. unless you literally launch the same thing with like a little bit of a different fabric and you intentionally are trying to compete with somebody which you're an idiot if you are you have your own thing shouldn't we want to win together i remember who was I talking to my buddy who owns a company called Brick and Click. His name's Hamat, and he's based here in the city. Him and I had this random ass idea to get all of our friends together. When I say friends, I'm talking CEOs of PR firms, I'm talking celebrity auctioneers, I'm talking uh, actors, musicians, whatever, right? People of high profile, for example, right? Some of our friends. And not to say that's the only people we hang out with, but you know what I mean? And I said, why don't we just try something? I said, let's get 10 of us together for like a small little social, not a happy hour, not a meeting, not a networking party, just a social hosted in the back of your store, bring a lot of fucking booze and small bites like charcuterie boards, whatever, keep it classy. And let's start this thing. Let's start like a bi-monthly or monthly series where we invite plenty of people to just get acquainted and become friends first. I want you to shake hands, elbows, whatever you think COVID friendly is now. And I want you to make friends with people that are badass at what they do. 
because odds are you're going to find a way to work with them. They're going to help you in some way. They're going to introduce you to other people, or you'll just be friends with a badass. You will not lose coming to an event like that. I bring that example up because I met him when I was pitching him to be a sponsor on my podcast, right? Shows you clearly, like when you go in pursuit of something like money, everybody would be like, what the fuck? He wants me to sponsor his podcast. I literally met him in person. And then now we're doing this huge event together next Thursday. You know, and people are, everybody said yes. And, and those full circle moments are just like from just, at least from my experience, just being super optimistically genuine. I don't know, genuinely optimistic, I guess. And just allowing other people to share that experience with you. Because if you don't, it's fucking lonely. You know what they used yeah. to say? It's lonely at the top. It is not lonely at the top, right? I'm not even at the top. Neither of us are. We're, we're still very young. We have a lot of years Life. to keep doing this stuff. But I'll tell you, I feel like I'm at the fucking top every day. But you should. I don't think it's necessarily like, okay, I'm finally here. I think whenever you're yeah. feeling, you're going to reach the top at different points of your life. People are like, oh, I peaked in high I school. That. I peaked right. in college. No, you're constantly no. peaking in different areas of your life. So if you're at the top right now, guess what? There's another top that you're going to reach. Yeah. And like diff- you said it, different areas of your life, you're going to meet at different points. I could be at the top of my like career right now. But what if I want to like slow down a bit in five years and get on the top of my dating and potential marriage life? I used to tell people, I'm like, you can literally have it all. You can have as much as you want, but just be prepared to like put in the time and effort and energy. And I I use energy very, very, very strictly because it's a lot to go to dinner with friends if you're tired, you know, but you can, you can make it work. I feel like, especially after the pandemic, I've become, and I'm trying to get this for my friends, my colleagues. I'm just like, just be a yes person. Like life is too freaking short. Someone made an excuse the other day and I like, I still haven't texted him back. So he was, oh, like I'm busy and I, you know, I have all these things going on. And I was like, those sound like excuses. And it sounds like you don't actually want to go get drinks. Just I didn't even no tell then. you, just say no, or don't respond because like, I don't need to hear your excuses. I don't care how busy you are. It has nothing to do with you and I's relationship. And I was just asking you to go catch up over drinks to see how you're doing. And if you're making all these, oh, but like, Hey, Justin, can we do this instead? Da, da, da. Like you just tell me when you're free and uh, we're not doing next week then apparently. So people are so wishy-washy sometimes. And it's because they're not grounded in what we were talking about earlier, which is just understanding that like you get to choose when and where you put your time and efforts and you get to decide a lot of what's happening in your life. Right. And once you're grounded in that, everything else is gravy to quote Nick Vial. This is just a side note. Yeah. Nick Vial, I hated him when he originally was on The Bachelor <laughs> He has become one of my favorite people to follow. Not only real, and I feel like a lot of people, that's why they didn't like him at first, is because he's very much his most authentic self, and people don't like that sometimes. I think he's obviously grown up too, but he's done a very good job with himself and his brand to market himself as, I know what I've done in the past, but like I'm still working on myself every single day, and I want other people to do that as well. Yeah, I have mad respect for him. I mean, he's a businessman. He works with a sister on a couple of his brands and his podcast is monster. It is a it's monster insane. at making money and he has a great audience. People love him. They love his guests. I mean, I don't even know when he came on this. He was like episode 37 or something of our podcast, but like genuine as hell. And he, like, yeah. I think we were drinking alcohol. He's working through some of his anxiety and insecurities and stuff too. And I think everybody deals with it. He owns it. He continues to be, you know, I would think he's like a more extroverted guy really to be a podcast host, but he's pretty mild. He's not yeah. necessarily someone that's like loud and obnoxious, like you would think coming from a bachelor. Like I asked him, I was like, wait, so like, help me to understand this bachelor shit. I was like, I've never, I've, okay, I've seen like trailers and like right. Instagram content. I will never watch a show. My buddies have been on the shows and I just don't care for it. Right. And I think that like, I wanted his real thoughts to somebody who hadn't seen the show. So I was like, yeah, we got like, you know, I talked to Pete. So Pete became a friend of mine after I interviewed him. But like Nick was the first bachelor guy from that franchise that had been on the podcast and I was waiting for it because I literally hadn't and then we got Mike Johnson, Tyler Cameron, like guys are all coming on the podcast in the next couple months and like now I can kind of know how to handle those conversations but I was very ignorant. I was like, wait, so what happened? Who who did you date on the podcast? Because, But that's why I think Men of the Hour has somewhat of a, a realness to it that I think people would want to tune into. Essentially, normally those guys are going on podcasts as ex-bachelors or yeah. bachelorette contestant. I wanted Nick Vial. And I think that is the beauty behind the Men of the Hour because 
It's not about if they're an actor, if they were a bachelor. It's about them because it's about getting that vulnerable side. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And people, like I said before, they don't like seeing the real. But I think we're now finally, I mean, a little late, but it's fine. I think that society is changing where we're getting so much more of that. And I think it's becoming something where we're not only more accepting of it, but we're liking it. And I feel like we can be these real people and have these real and honest conversations. So I appreciate you paving a whole new way for everyone else to do that. Oh, that means a lot for you to say that, my friend. That's That was the mission. I had a very, very, very grounded mission statement that took me three weeks to write. And and you pretty much said it in full, so. I have to ask you, has anyone told you that you remind them of Steve Jobs? Because talking to you and how you work, honestly, like I'm getting Steve Jobs vibes. Tell me more about that. I've never been, actually, it was the only time someone told me that is when I wore like a, a black quarter neck. Not a turtleneck, <laughs> but like a quarter neck. Like the one that goes it, up to there? Exactly. I wore that under a couple of suits. And when I would take it off in the office at NBC, everybody would say that. You look like Steve Jobs today. And uh, that was the only other time. But no, from a personality standpoint, never. I mean, maybe if you were wearing that type of shirt, I would say also the look. But I don't think it's the look. Uh-huh. I think- It's because I'm bald, isn't it? No, it's not because you're bald. My <sighs> whole thing is of why I said that is, I think what everyone just like looks at Steve Jobs is, is like the Apple guy. Like he's just this tech person. But I think that you have yeah. this personality and you have this this drive within you that is not only inspiring and motivating, but you won't settle. And I think that was a huge thing that Steve Jobs did with Apple because so many people in the beginning did not believe that Mac, Apple, whatever it is, would do. Mm. Yeah. And you're constantly building and doing things. You're not stopping. Your plate is always full, but you manage it well. Yeah. No, it's like probably the best compliment I think I've gotten. It's not even a lot to manage. Just like manage your own expectations. Everybody's like, why do you get up at five? And I was like, because I'm fucking busy during the day. Yeah. So like if I want to work out, if I want to cold plunge and go in the sauna and call my family and do shit for Justin and answer emails before the day starts, like those things have to happen before everybody else is awake. Right. right? My friends are like, oh my God, I woke up at eight. And I was like, oh God, I've been up three hours. It's time for me to, I'm going to take a break when you're waking up. But, and then that's again, like it's a personal choice. I love mornings, but that's kind of how we learn to manage all of it to some extent. But again, I'm still working on this shit. I think I only got into this mindset about 21, 21 years old, 22. I feel like a lot of 20 something year olds are always so confused, especially those like first, like three years of your twenties. You're like, Oh, maybe I want to do this. Maybe I want to do that. Your eyes are always bigger than your stomach at that point. Sure. But like also do it with intention. You know, I think if you're in your twenties, you know, what's interesting to you, you know, what you actually want to figure out. So find jobs and connect with the right people to make sense for that. And that's exactly how you and I met. That's right. Yeah. You have to know what you're doing. And as silly as it may be, you have to go on LinkedIn and just stalk the shit out of people because then you're going to find people. And then it gets better because full circle moments happen all the time with people that you may have connected with in the past and such. And like, I think that's, it's so much of the beauty with connectivity nowadays. I've direct messaged all of my sponsors before going to email pitching. I have pitched celebrities over Instagram and booked them, TV hosts, reporters. I've cold called them from their Instagram and that's it. We live in such a time now where like, it's possible. And you have zero excuse not to be reaching out to people to get to know them, to get some advice, to hear how their story was. And also like the sooner you do this shit, the better. Like who wants to be in their thirties and forties still trying to figure out what they want to do with their life, right? Like you need to do it now. And I always tell people like, everybody's timing is different, but like if you're young, your time is totally right now. Absolutely. Just fucking do it. Send it. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, Literally. What is no the worst? Response. Who exactly. Who gives a shit? At You'll that meet point, them at a party down the line anyway. Exactly. And then who's the one on the top? Exactly. But tell us what we can look forward to with upcoming episodes of your podcast and what <gasps> you're doing. Oh, yeah. If anybody wants to find us, it's men of the hour, M-E-N, plural of the hour. You'll see my bald head as the front cover of it. Thank you. Men of the hour. Yeah. I mean, we're going to keep going Uh, every Monday at noon. We're doing some men's health month specials right now. So uh, depending on when this launches, you know, June was 
six back-to-back episodes really so like monday wednesday monday wednesday with guys like andy Grammer, the ceo of berries uh which which used to formerly be known as berries boot camp but it's berries now gosh who else kevin Wu, who's like an ex-k-pop guy was super dope cameron matheson guy from hallmark we're just gonna keep going yeah just like fun guys i'm gonna stick to the to the guys who are like you know pretty much in the entertainment business just because it's a little niche and you know what to expect but you might get some ceos and stuff too every now and then just you know those guys who run businesses and have launched brands have good thought leadership, I think could be useful for audience members more often than known. You're going to get a lot of entertainers. And we all love a good entertainer. We all are entertainers in some way or another, regardless if you actually are on screen (sighs) or if you're behind a desk, everyone's an entertainer of some kind. But before I let you go, do you want to give a nice little post-grad doozy of food for thought? Let me see if I can think of a quote that I can like own and trademark myself right now. Oh my God. I don't know. I mean, if you just graduated college, now is the time. Do as much as you can. Listen closely on this one. I think you should ask a lot of fucking questions. I think you should never be shy of asking questions to people. You should try to ask yourself questions as well. Ask yourself the hard questions of like, what do I really want to do? Who do I really want to inspire? Why do I really want to be a TV host? Why do I really want to be a producer? Why do I really want to be a finance person? But ask yourself a lot of hard questions. Ask a lot of questions to other people. And that actually helps you. Helps you vet helps you figure out what's working, what's not working, what you want, what you don't want. The rest is going to get easier. It's for you to grab. People always say the world is your oyster. So you need to do as much as you can to make sure that that actually happens in your twenties. I love that. That is beyond empowering. And I literally feel like I could tackle the world now. My friend, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I will link all of his socials for the podcast himself in this episode, but please make sure you go and support him. I appreciate you very much. Thanks for coming. Oh my gosh. It was an honor to talk to you for the past however long. Uh, thank you. Miss, miss woman of the hour, but no, really, thank you so much for letting me come on your podcast. Justin, if I could tell you how much I love you, I would, but unfortunately I just have too much love to give you that I don't know how to express it in words. So I will leave it at, I love you and thank you so much for your constant love, support, and for chatting with me today. I hope you all enjoyed our episode and I hope you go and support him and all of his endeavors linked in the episode description below. One last thing before I let you guys go for the weekend is something that I ended asked on my Instagram stories. So obviously we know in just a little over a month, the one year anniversary of Jappy Jaws is coming up. I can't believe it's been a year. It's been so exciting and challenging and fun. I am so thankful for it every single day and I would love to do something to celebrate it. And it's been a dream of mine to have my own merch of any kind since I don't even know when, even before a podcast or Jappy Jaws was a thing. And I wanted to go a different route with doing it. I didn't want to do wearable merch just yet, but I do want to do a little something. I am currently searching for someone and I'm currently on the hunt for making some stickers that would be very much Jappy Jaws related with some quotes, things that we all love, things that you would want to put on a computer or a water bottle, a phone, anything like that. So if that is something that you are interested in or that you know how to do, please contact me on the Instagram at Jappy Jaws, J-A-P-P-Y-J-A-W-S, or on my personal at Lindsay Anya, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-Y-A-N-Y-A-A. And we can hopefully get something set up for the one-year anniversary. And while you're there, let me know if you want to hear from anyone else what you thought of today's episode. I am so beyond appreciative of you all, and I am so excited for what's in store. Happy almost birthday to us, not just me, us, because this would not be possible without all of you. But until then, I will see you all next Thursday.